Hi, and welcome to The Mean. I'm Ryan Huber, and with me as always is Nicholas Seagraves. Hey, Nick. Hey, Ryan. And with us as sometimes is Mike McCann. Hey, Mike. Hey, Ryan and Nick. Thanks for having me again. And joining us today in the background is Mike's dog, uh, a basset hound named Walter. So if you hear any strange noises, we're going to blame them on him, even if we make them. Yep. Uh, today's topic for episode 21 of The Mean is video games. Um, video games, as people who are not Nick's mom pronounce them. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So we wanted to open up this massive topic with just a little bit of an autobiographical um, note. Uh, we want to tell the quick story of our background and experience with video games before diving into the more philosophical and cultural angles. So... I'll go ahead and start since I'm the oldest. Uh, I remember playing Atari when I was younger. I, I, I didn't own one, but we had friends that did. I played a, an old uh, Ghostbusters video game that had very little to do with the Ghostbusters. It was basically just trying to shoot one ghost. Um, and then I remember when I was uh, a young kid still, we got a, uh, not a Super Nintendo, a regular Nintendo, the square one. And uh, we had games such as Duck Hunt Ooh. and Mario. And um, I don't know if we had, I think we had Donkey Kong, uh, but some of the classics. And then Super Nintendo SNES. We were a Nintendo family. We got Nintendo Power Magazine. SNES was the real beginning of like when I was old enough to really get video games. And that was like the obsessive summers where you would stay up for three days at a time, just like drinking soda and not bathing and just living like an animal. Red, Red Mountain Dew. Yeah, and playing Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat <laughs> with a K. And uh, playing uh, the first uh, Super Mario Kart game. Just incredible, incredible time. Um, uh, The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. Just really classic, amazing video games. And at the same time, we would go to arcades sometimes on the weekends and play the big kind of the box games that you couldn't get through Nintendo or or Sega Genesis. Like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles four-player game. Um, It was was, a... they, they were heady times, heady days. <laughs> and so that brings us up to uh, about 1996, I'm going to guess, 97, when um, Nintendo 64 came out. And that was sort of the crowning era of my video game playing before I had to get serious about other things in life. Uh, we're talking about uh, Ocarina of Time, GoldenEye, the, in my opinion, the greatest multiplayer game. Um, the, I mean, the biggest leap forward for mm-hmm. multiplaying um, multiplayer games. Uh, we're talking about uh, Star Fox 64. Oh, gosh. Just incredible, <laughs> incredible titles. And so, uh, of course, this is very Nintendo-biased. And uh, I was a little too old to really get into Poke- Pokemans, um, <laughs> as Nick's probably going to talk about in a little bit. But um, that was sort of the peak of my video game experience. Uh, Star Wars Shadows of the Empire, um, you, you, where you could uh, you could trap and, and add a, you know, you could trip it up with a, with the tripwire on Hoff and uh, fight Boba Fett and all those things. It was just, just an incredible time to be alive. And um, I'll let one of you guys take it from there because my next video game renaissance actually came about because of Nick. Um, but I will let Mike, I'll let you kind of give us your, your video game background starting, I'm thinking, in the mid to late 90s. Yes, mid 90s. Um, my sisters are about roughly 10 years older than me. So growing up, I had a Super Nintendo. Um, so I missed the OG Nintendo. I think my neighbor down the street, Kyle Coverdale, had it. Um, but it was lame. But the Super Nintendo was awesome, so mostly my first re- game I remember playing was Aladdin. Nice. Which was an epic. The uh, magic game. carpet level in the case oh, with the lava and so the hard types. So, broken so many controllers because of that. Incredibly difficult. Tried so much. <laughs> yeah. You know? My mom coming in. Okay, Mike, I think Michael, I think you've had enough. Okay. Um and then there was a hole in the wall behind our TV. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because my brother would slam it into the wall. Well, I'm, we're going to take a do a se- segue on this, but like me and my friend, he had a younger brother, and we used to play. Um, I mean, we just play uh, like car racing games, and mm-hmm. we just get his little brother super pissed mm-hmm. and try to get him to break controllers. <laughs> nice. Oh, it worked every time. You ever play F F Zero? No, what is that? It was a racing game out on Super Nintendo. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Gran Turismo. What's up? Oh, <laughs> um, and then um, so we had the Super Nintendo, and my grandma 
like this old old Russian woman had a Sega Genesis with Mortal Kombat and Sonic. Okay. And so whenever we went over to her house, we'd play Mortal Kombat. First of all, that's inexplicable. Which is so <laughs> weird that this old Russian woman had this console and this game to begin with. Um, and then, um, did always... you guys have the uh, the Mortal Kombat soundtrack? Because mm-hmm. I had like, yeah, I, I had did. the CD. I had the CD. We would play the CD in the background. Kano, Luke Cage, Johnny Cage, <laughs> yeah, Johnny Cage, Luke Cage. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I, uh, I, re- I remember I really, really, really wanted a N sixty four or a or a what was what else came out? A PlayStation one. By the way, both of us have skipped over GameCube. It's a it's a dark history in Nintendo's. Past. I'm gonna get there. Okay. Um, oh. Oh my gosh, wow. Okay. A little GameCube action. Well, I wanted a Nick's GameCube. Nick's going to bring the Game Boy action. Didn't get it. Okay. I got a PlayStation 2 okay. Um But I, I soon became a PlayStation family because my dad's friend gave us a PlayStation, and so I had Spyro, mm-hmm. and yeah. such a good game. Um, a friend of mine had a PlayStation. Um, I never got into the PlayStation thing because I, I didn't have extra money during that time. But the one game that I played at my friend's house, like, obsessively was um, Metal Gear Solid. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So good. That was an incredible, incredible game. And then the... So, so I'm going to nerd out, because I kind of minored in video game... Like, Havoc, like, history, visual culture, specifically focusing on video games. Thanks, UC Mm -hmm. Santa Cruz. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Sega Dreamcast was actually the first console that you can access online. And, oh, man, that console was good. Never had it. James Magus had it. Used to go over and play what Call of Duty What was that first um, sort of uh, 3D weird Nintendo attempt at virtual reality? What was that I called? Don't I don't know. It was... They, you know what I'm talking Nintendo about? Nintendo did some things that... Some experimental work. things. Like, you, we were talking before, and I was going to say this, but you, mean you brought up Duck Hunt. My friend, James Magus... Of course, he had Duck Hunt, but it would get projected on a wall. Wow. That was pretty epic. That sounds um, cool. Okay, anyway, so I got a PlayStation 1, and we played, um, I played some games on there, which was, it was some good times, snowboarding games. All right. Um, a lot of tears. Yeah. Um, and then, Tony Hawk? Oh, my. Tony Hawk was so fun. Oh, yeah. First Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk 2. 2 was great, too. 3 kind of. What was that? Soundtrack to that was pretty good. The one and two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, And then I got a PlayStation 2, and that was really good. I don't remember the games, but so many good games on that, like uh, Star Wars Bounty Hunter. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. One of the good things that came out of the uh, uh, new trilogies. Um, What else? Oh, I forgot one thing. Like, during the whole this period you're describing... Um, just every once in a while I'd find myself in an arcade and I got like mini addicted to the arcade console, big sit in, sit in it version of oh. crazy taxi. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Mm-hmm. It was so fun. Have you guys ever played the game metal slug? No. Yes. Okay. What do you, do you like that game? Cause it's like my favorite arcade game. Yeah. It's like, it's so weird. I, I'll I'll get into like how weird all this is. Is that a Capcom a minute, game? But... It sounds like a Capcom game. It's it's usually it's a it's it's shared. The cabinet's shared mm-hmm. with like the 1942 uh, airplane game. Okay. And then speaking yeah. of history, the one thing I, st- I I forgot to tell you is my brother and I are both big history buffs. And when we were younger with SNES, there was a, a video game company called Koei. And they'd make all these historical games, like Romance of the Three Kingdoms, Uncharted <laughs> Waters. I mean, nerd, just nerd games. Liberty or Death, it was about the American Revolution. Oh, God. So I learned more about history from these video games than anything in school. Like, I know all these different mm-hmm. generals who fought in the American Revolution and these ancient Chinese warlords, because everything's based in, in, in like, real life. <laughs> it's, it's almost like, you know, the stuff you learn, like... Through Sim City, like this is how I build a city, and I need a power plant over here. This is how I get a job. Mm-hmm. Actually, if I have a cheat code, I don't have a cheat. Yeah, if you had Game Genie, you're a loser, and I hate you. Game <gasps> Shark. Did game Shark game... for life. Did you have wow. Game Genie or Game Shark, Nick? I had a Game Shark. Yeah, this is why I became an ethicist. I thought it was totally wrong. I thought like Game Genie was just like besides the point. But like Game Shark, I remember getting. I'd I'd always go to Safeway. And, um, I would go, I, I, my parents wouldn't buy me a, uh, what's it called? It a video game magazine, but I'd go to the back of the video game yeah, magazine yeah, yeah. and then write down all of the cheat codes yeah, that they would have, yeah, yeah. um, before I knew what the internet was. Well, OG, 
OG cheating is Contra. Uh, 99 lives on Contra on, on Nintendo. I don't up, know. Up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. If you do that on OG Nintendo, you get 99 li- lives on Contra. It ruins the game, though. Yeah, because right? it doesn't... Well, you still have to beat it. Like in Tony Hawk's, I used all the cheat codes, and it just yeah, that, turned it, the game yeah. into diarrhea. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, and then I got... I, I just stuck with Sony. So then I got a PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that's when I... I think I really started getting into gaming when I got my PlayStation 3. I think that was when I was in college. And so I got to, you know, I got to start doing online playing Mm -hmm. that wasn't at my friend's house. Um, And then started getting into long, longer narrative formed games. Um, And that continued into now I have a PlayStation 4 and I play video games every single day. Yeah. I haven't had as much time as you just because I got married younger, I think. Well, you got married pretty young. 22 yeah so only a year younger anyway i had other things going on um so i just video games went like left my life and then came back and then left my life and came back and they would only come back because i didn't have i'm too cheap i guess is the thing to buy, actually buy my own video games so they'd come back when someone like nick would bring them back in my life so i remember when i was in college it came back because my friends would have land parties and play um play 16 player um halo oh you mean like at your church yeah, yeah, <laughs> but like not like at my church, but also at people's houses and yeah. stuff like that. But that was Halo like, Ministry. Yeah, staying yeah. up all night just with like the the guy, well, the one guy knew, that knew how to network things that would set up two different team rooms and all these things. It was amazing. That was that was a lot of fun. Jessica actually played a few times. Um, her 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 nickname, her get player name was Princess Die. Um, nice. I thought it was pretty good. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, Halo for Jessica and. Um, then, uh, oh, one of the times before that, that video games had broken back into my life. Because PC gaming was this all, whole other universe for me at the time. And, um, like, uh, Counter-Strike online broke in. Like, when um, Half-Life mm-hmm. when Half-Life came in, there was the, and that was, like, a real team-oriented. You could be a demolition expert or a sniper or whatever. That was kind of like a pre-Halo Halo for me on the PC side. Played Also played some um, flight um, some flight simulator um Wing Commander, stuff mm-hmm. like that. We're trying to kill kill cat-like aliens. Diablo. Um, yeah, uh, the Kill Rathi. Um, a lot of things going on on the PC gaming side for me. But then uh, the next time that it broke through post-Halo was when Nick, Nick and I had met and his group of friends played World of Warcraft. So I'm not going to get. I know. I'm not going to get too far into World of Warcraft because I want Nick to kind of catch us up on his video game experience, and then we'll kind of all bring it together with World of Warcraft and what would be the biggest waste of my life, League of Legends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'm glad you brought up WoW and LOL Mm -hmm. um, because my history with video games has I've, I've always it's always come off as wrong when people talk about isolation in video games. Yeah. Because mine, even what we've all talked about, like you, your earliest memories are group video game sessions. Yep. Watching know? my brother play video games that were too hard for me, even like yeah. I remember that it was very social. Mm-hmm. And I think I got in the first video game where, like, I remember like trying, you know, because I my parents who went to high school in the eighties view of the video game of video game of the video game of video games the video were game. like. This is something you do when you're, like, high or, mm-hmm. like, bored and you don't want to think about it. And my mom continues that tradition with a crippling addiction to Candy Crush on her, <laughs> on her iPad. Uh, where it's just, like, you don't want to, like, put too much effort into it, but it needs to be a little challenging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I got Pokemon Crystal as, like, a... Oh, snap. For Game Boy. Grader. Yeah, for Game Boy Color. And this one, it had times... So there's like an internal clock in the in the game cartridge, okay. and so like it'd be like morning, di- midday, dusk, evening, and certain Pokemon would only be available at mm-hmm. certain times, okay, and under certain conditions. Yeah. And I remember like waking up like two at uh, like four o'clock in the morning, nice, before I go to school, and like being like, I really want to catch this stupid thing. And my mother just being like, what are you, like, what is, you You don't try at video games. Like, you just don't, you don't do it. Um, but I, I really got into Pokemon because all of my elementary school and middle school friends played it. So it was another communal, like, trading 
the link cables, all that stuff <laughs> yeah. in in the playground and whatever. <laughs> Did you ever that. play the? Uh, yeah. This was a surprisingly fun game. The the Pokemon uh, like photography game. Oh, Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap. Yeah, it was really on, fun. On Excuse me, did I play Pokemon <laughs> Snap? Like this is a game in which you are in a go kart and you get to throw poisonous gas at animals <laughs> to coerce them into taking letting you take their photograph. It's, it's kind like, of the perviest game in the world when you think about it. Yeah, it's like TMZ for children. It, it was is. perfect. It's like and, paparazzo. Yeah, exactly. Um, God, and so that so happened. Stupid. And then a huge monumental life uh, event happened for me where my grandmother for Christmas one year was like, me and my cousin are three days apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of, and we lived together for like five years. So we were like kind of twinsy. Yeah, and he and I, she's like, I want you guys to have both. I want you to have an N sixty four and a PlayStation, but I'm gonna buy one of you each. Mm. Like so, like one of you gets the PlayStation, one of you gets the N sixty four, and she decided to give Cody, my cousin, the PlayStation, and she gave me N sixty four. I feel like that and, just explains a lot of things about how. You're yeah, I mean, now he's in prison, right? so uh-huh. like you know. No, like Good it's job. really kind of a Jacob and Esau kind of a moment. <laughs> yeah, it's really one of those like like your grandma decided because like Nintendo is clearly the kinder, gentler system of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're like it's like fun and you get to explore and you get to like do all these hilarious things. And what I was, was like, that, yeah, I'm into what that. Was that demolition derby game, Twisted Metal? Oh. That's PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. game. That's so. That's so violent. That was Cody. Cody had like that read the original Resident Evil's um, Metal Gear Solid, where you're like assassinating people and also like transgender or something. Like you go the PlayStation route and you're in prison. You go in the Nintendo route. Well, early PlayStation, it was like like literally Twisted Metal is just a serial killer. It's like the movie The The Clown, or like have you seen the movie The Cell? It is a game Mm. with that. It's that movie with cars. Yeah, there's a guy that is like crucified yeah. and he turns these huge yeah, wheels yeah, yeah, with yeah. his, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so dark. Like for, yeah. for 12 year olds to be playing it. I'm not a big like technology causes people to not be human anymore. I think there's something within us that's that's where the darkness comes from. But like mm-hmm. those games can't help. Like if you're, already, yeah. if you're already predisposed to like being a serial killer. Yeah. I think if I could go back in time, I'd be like, let's use these as like correctives instead of representatives. So yeah. like, why don't yeah. you give him the N64 let him play, you know, whatever. Hey, Nick, guess what? What? Your grandma already knew. Yeah, she, <laughs> she she understood. She already knew. Like honestly, if you had if you had gotten her high at that point and said, "What predict the paths of Cody and Nick?" She could have told you. Well, Parents know. They know deep down. They knew. She knew. Whatever. Um, okay, so then hey, after Graham. that, yeah. oh, you, hey Graham, if you're ever listening, <laughs> listening. Cody, miss you. Write me a letter. Thanks for the Capital um, Girl gift card. Thank you. Oh, that was great. Um, anyways, so then I got a PS2 after my mom was like, don't ever talk to Graham again. I'm going to do this. And it's a deep burn. Yeah. And that's when I discovered that I didn't go through like a weeaboo phase at all, which is surprising because I like really flirted with the line Mm -hmm. a lot, but I discovered Final Fantasy, which you cried out of frustration, but when I beat Final Fantasy X, and it's like, by the way, you were a dream the whole time, and then you just disappear, yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is so sad. How and many hours? Neighbor, How many hours? It wasn't, it wasn't me being sad about the hours. It was actually like me being like, this character has gone through so much, and to be told at the end of the game that none of it mm-hmm. was real whatsoever. But, by the way, I played Final Fantasy II and Final Fantasy III on Super Nintendo, and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I just remember sitting in my room, and my sister was watching me play it, and her friend from next door was watching me play it. And then, <laughs> and the then we all... Trigger, by the way. And cool. then we all just started, like, weeping. And, like, my mom came in and was like, what is going on? And I was like, Titus isn't real. <laughs> like, oh, my this gosh, whole thing. It's so sad. Yeah. This narrative Only... is so compelling. Oh, it's so compelling. And only now do I realize how anti-religious it was. <laughs> like, oh, I, yeah. I, like, yeah, yeah. which we can talk about that later. But, um, Final and then Fantasy after... VII or Final Fantasy X? It's Final Fantasy X. Well, they're all kind of anti-religious. Is Final Fantasy just... VII Cloud? Mm-hmm. Okay. Final Fantasy X is where you... Can we talk about the sword size? Can we talk about yeah. the sword size? Do you think that's that's overcompensation from the Japanese? Ooh. Maybe. Maybe. I'm kidding. 
But Sony. Sephiroth's sword is like long and thin, so I don't think anyone wants that. Oh, yeah. So then I transitioned into high school, which was like, I, my friend Michael was like, hey, there's a Final Fantasy game where you play online the entire time with other people. And I was like, what? And then I like <laughs> downloaded it, which was like this huge ordeal. I know. No I one know. knew what MMOs were at the what time at this? all. And I remember downloading it wait, and my wait, dad. What kind of internet did you have at the time? I had, it was pretty good because it was like Big B's business internet, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Big so B that was is, great. is Nick's grandfather for those of you who don't yeah. know. Sorry. Um, and then. So it wasn't like. Yeah, no, it wasn't that at all. I had like the direct line Ethernet cable access, Ooh. so it was great. Oh, um, Ethernet. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And um, anyways. <laughs> um, anyways, I just remember like finally turning it on after like two days of calling like the internet company and trying to get this thing to work out and walking through like a town and there's all these people running around as all these different things. And my dad was like, those are all real people. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, those, like what they're saying, that's like other human beings playing this game with you. Mind I like, blown. I was like, yeah. And it was crazy. And Mike and I like met all these people through this game that we played hours of. Not this night. Mike. Not Mike who's with no, us No, right no, no. Michael Costello. Um, Your game life partner. My life partner. He's your video game life partner for sure. He really is. Um, or spirit so that, animal, depending on how he's feeling. Whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. And Avatar. after that, my MMO thing got at a high, and then we did Warcraft, which like a huge group of my friends in high school did, and which is I, I was even, a part of. Which apparently my economics teacher was as well, <laughs> and like, and like we just kind of like goof trooped around these things. The thing that blew my mind about it is like, we have friends in real life. So no, we don't care about what anyone thinks of us in this game. Mm -hmm. So we can just do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. And so that was fun. And then I was a dark oh, elf ranger with a, with a, a cat, a big cat. That was my, yeah. my animal companion. That was great. That was back when you could only get up to level 70. I think, I don't even remember. Well, I, I played in the, uh, I played in, um, what were, the, what were the releases of World of Warcraft? It was the Lich King, right? Wrath of the Lich King, and then the the Nordic one, the Norse. Fjord. Well, that is the Nordest one. Oh, is that what, one, yeah, yeah, that's the last one I played. How, what they went? They did pandas after that, right? No, they did Cataclysm, which is like dragons, Never and then did they it. did pandas. Never did it. And then they did retcon, Never and then they it. did. And now the next one com is coming out. Is I don't even. It's something about demons or whatever. It's like shocker. Yeah, it's, it's really spooks, but I'm like really into it. <laughs> well, to and close then, out to close out this bi biographical portion, yeah. I, I need you to talk about League of Legends a little bit. Well, that's what I'm, I'm getting into. Okay, but the, sorry. The, the one the one jump I had a weird thing where it's like I got so involved in the multiplayer things, I was just like, I hate playing by myself. Like, yeah, it's really boring. It's like I get it, whatever. Yeah. Um, I was more interested in like the social interaction. Yeah. But then I got a PS3 when I went to college. Um, because, and this sounds really awful, but I like that I could play Blu-rays and DVDs, which at the time was like, oh my god, like, what? That's no, awesome. It's, it's totally it was awesome. cheaper than a Blu-ray player. I know, I know. Exactly, exactly. So my mom was like, well, I mean, why don't we just get this? I was like, okay. And that was perfect. And then I finally, around that time, started playing, um, besides the Final Fantasies, like Bioshock, Mm. A bunch of other games that just kind of came up out of nowhere that I was like, wait, these are really good. And also, at the end of my college career, League of Legends kind of took off, which mm -hmm. now is the most played game in the world and makes more revenue than all of them and is really weird. And um, I was in I was in Boston at the time, or maybe I was out in California at the time, I forget, but I had... I had moved on, you had moved on, you were in college, I was doing grad things, and we had played World of Warcraft while I was in Boston for a while, and then I'd gotten mm -hmm. away from it because I had to write a master's thesis. It, it, all, it all, like, I always stop playing when I have to write a big thing, and so I've been in my mm -hmm. dissertation for a while, so I haven't been playing video games for two years. But uh -huh. um, you and I started playing, you got me into League of Legends when I moved, yeah, when I moved out to California, I think. 
and mm-hmm. it was so much fun. It was incredible. It was like World of Warcraft, only less of a commitment, right? And you could mm-hmm. just jump on. You could your friends could help you out. It was the social angle, the, str- the strategic angle, all those things. So fun. Like I had such a good time. But it's just if you don't do it for a while, you get left behind. And if you have other things going on in your life, if you don't make it a pri- this sounds so weird. If you don't make it a priority, like it it fades and it's not as fun. Like you ha- it's like you have to invest in it. And yeah. the fi- the final gasp for me of video games was you when when you lived with us here in LA for six months and you had a PS what'd you have? What was your PS3. game? You had a PS three and I ended up playing um in a, in the span of a few weeks, I ended up playing from start to finish, um Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Um, Skyrim. Yeah. And it like such a good game. It was such a big jump from the last console game I had really sat down and played. Because the last mm-hmm. console game I'd really sat down and played was like Halo 2 or something. Like, and it was so and like I did some research and you told me a bit about it, Nick, and um it's like multiple, multiple the script for Skyrim for, for Skyrim is like multiple war and peace length yeah. novels. Like that's that's how thick the the scripted material alone is. Not not just the going out looking for things and questing and gathering and killing things and but but like it was amazing to me how massive these worlds are. And it makes sense to me that the industry makes so much money. Because th- these products are I mean, these products are a hundred movies. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They're not ten movies. They're they're because of the the way that it works, because of the code, because of the refreshing, kind of, and because of the other players and the, I mean, these games are are massive universes that you can just lose yourself in, uh, much more than just watching. Like the other night, I sat down and watched most of the Godfather epic that they had put together, like the first two Godfathers all in a row. Oh, you mean the there's a game, the Godfather game, which is phenomenal. Oh, okay. Side, side. But I just sat down and watched <laughs> it, and it's like you get lost in this like five hour mega Godfather, six hour mega kind of the whole story, and it's like a video game is like that every single night if you want it to be. You can just sit down and just lose yourself in this universe. So I wanted to kind of transition from our, all of our experiences, all the way from me playing Atari for the first time to Nick probably has played League of Legends within the last few days, and you probably played what? I played Call of Duty this morning. You played Call of Duty this morning, and I haven't played for a while, but I'll, I'll take my, my Skyrim and my League of Legends as my last my last points of contact. with the, And I sat down in your living room, Mike, for a little bit and played the beginning of um, Destiny. Oh yeah, you which did. Is, yeah, which is fun. Um, cinematic. Yeah, so so that's our background. That's our, our experience. Um, also, did you guys ever go through a uh, Super Smash Bros. phase? Did yeah. I? Yeah, I just wanted to say that because like I feel like a lot of teenage guys like went through a pretty heavy Super Smash Bros. You know, the Duck Hunter dog is in the new Smash Bros. <laughs> is it right? really? It's a play. It's a hero. You can that's slam around. Incredible. Anyway, so. I was thinking, like, now that we've kind of set the stage, and we've taken we've taken about a third of the podcast to do that, but that's fine. I, I think it's important to tell the story. What are video games like? What is this like? What like I culturally, philosophically, what are these as things? Like, what do they mean to you guys? What what do they mean to us as a society? Man, well. I mean, just even looking at genre, it surpasses every form of literature or film. There, I mean, I can't even list it all. Um, but what does it mean culturally? I mean, what it means to me, I mean, I use them primarily to decompress, but I think it's also to engage in, in, in art that's meaningful. And I think um, there are what the effort that goes into building at, I mean, even in a Atari to now, the amount of effort that goes into constructing and engineering these games surpasses any other form of, I mean, I feel like it's comparable to building a skyscraper yeah. on the amount of investment, amount of labor the amount of people, the amount of money. Um, I think, I think it's, I think cultures moving towards these to these uh, to these types of games. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're in m- movies. I'd argue that 
cultural phenomenon that have taken taken off, like uh, apocalypse type of things, especially zombies. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that didn't Resident start evil. Yeah, that didn't start in video games. I think it started with the Night of the Walking Dead in the eighties or seventies, mm-hmm. but it really came into its form through video games. So I think, I mean, it's such a difficult question to answer for me. I think it, I think the fact that it's industry at least more than doubles the film industry and film is supposedly the most important thing in the United States is a sign of how important it is to our culture in, in, into all age groups. Yeah. Cause the, Mm -hmm. the main demographic isn't, kids despite mm-hmm. what people typically think but it's mm-hmm. men actually older than us um people that actually grew up playing uh you know old cabinet arcade games yeah. in the 80s pinball yeah they are the Pong. main people that are purchasing games yeah i i, I agree with, and, and one area we haven't even really gotten into although mike and nicky both mentioned it in passing is uh, ios games on people's phones it's a huge mm-hmm. industry. Uh, Jessica knows a lot of people who do video game music and a huge portion of this. And if you see commercials during the Super Bowl and stuff like that, it's all these, you know, beach invasion, blast bomb, war zone thing, whatever. All these iPad games, all these iPhone games, Candy Crush, uh, Plants vs. Zombies, um, Angry Birds. I mean, they're like, think Angry about Birds this. is getting its own. Movie. I know. Angry Birds has a movie with like Josh Gad and Jason Sudeikis, and you know, perfect. So now it's the reverse. I mean, it used to be, you know, you make a you make a crappy ET video game when ET comes out, mm. but now it's you make an Angry Birds movie because Angry Birds the video game is such an, an incredible success. Um, my favorite Angry Birds was a Star Wars Angry Birds. Oh, it was so awesome. fun, so fun. Um, but yeah, so iOS. I mean, and these phones are in our pocket all the time. So I think one of my angles is the technological advances that have made video games just morph and evolve. And it's, it's not just graphics. It's not just computer chips. It's not just the internet. It's Wi-Fi. It's handheld digital technology, the combination of all of these things, like supercomputers in our hands, in our pockets, the, the linked na- nature of everything. I mean, 15 years ago, no one had Wi-Fi at all. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, people weren't really online in communities like they are now. Social media, all those links. Like, video games have been on the cutting edge of adapting that technology every step of the way. When something new comes out, video games have, as an industry, have taken advantage of it. And I, I think, at the very least, video games can be a barometer of what's going on technologically and cinematically and storytelling-wise in our culture. Nick, what's your take on just kind of a basic overview of what video games mean in our culture. Yeah. I think they serve different functions depending on how people approach them, mm-hmm. you know? That's good. So I, I, which sounds like a really big cop-out answer because you could say that about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's very evident in video games. So like something like League of Legends for me um which is a MOBA, which is a multiplayer online battle arena. Uh, it's a style of game that's becoming very popular. Is now considered by the European Union at least a sport. So I think some games like Call of Duty, MOBAs, Halo, um, they serve as like an electronic version of playing horse you know like mm-hmm. they they are something that you can be competitive in where the stakes aren't really high at least i don't think they should be mm-hmm. um they function as as a, as what a classic game was for for animals even which is just like playing around you know yeah. mm-hmm. and developing skills quote unquote and whatever but i also think recently um which I also, I not, I'm not dissing any of that stuff. Like I enjoy that. I like being competitive. I like learning new skills and doing mm-hmm. that uh, sort of thing. But I also think video games now as a medium, especially in over the last six years, I think Shadow of the Colossus, which I don't know if you played that, Mike. I've dabbled a little bit. I know um, a bit, yeah. Yeah. Was like that and like Wind Waker on the GameCube. And obviously Ocarina of Time on 64 were just kind of like glimpses of like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
is this thematic? You know, yeah. like not not just oh, this is really interesting slingshot mechanics. Yeah. But like, is this a theme about death? You know, like is are we talking about capitalism? In that America? bow and arrow mechanism was on point, though. It really was. It was very satisfying. Mechanic is what it's called. You could yeah. you could fire that bow from horseback. <laughs> is all I'm saying. Um, and I I think. Recently, some video games have tried to push the fact that they are artistic. You know, it's not about winning mm -hmm. as much as it's about experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, Do you remember that video game Hard Rain a few years ago? Mm -hmm. It was like very kind of, it was almost like a Nolan film. Mm -hmm. But then there's even games like that. I mean, it's again coming up to how vast it is, but indie games, I think there's a game called wind and all you are you're a gust of wind with like like blades of grass and petals and you just move around to music yeah it's all you do well there yeah there's that kind of deep gaming world that's very emotional and very artistic um there's a game that jessica did a scoring project at uh, on uh, at uh, berkeley and it's this really beautiful sad lonely figure who's sort of going through this gray world and it's very sort of melancholy the whole thing and it kind of it's a little bit different than but but reminds me of kind of the gaming culture that emerged with um uh zork nemesis and puzzle games like that what was the big one mm -hmm. what was the big puzzle game where you're just constantly solving all these all these um it's one word mist 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 yeah, so Myst was like the granddaddy. Yeah. But there are all these games mm -hmm. that were less about fighting or mechanics or whatever. They were more about actually trying to solve intellectual puzzles and put, you know, games where you would collect things and be kind of like a journalist or, or try to solve these mysteries. It's like Portal. Por like Portal was mm -hmm. like kind of the evolution of all of that. But that's, that's an entirely different way of engaging your brain with video games yeah. than, you know... Uh, Star Fox or <laughs> World of Warcraft. But, yeah, I mean, there's mm -hmm. something there's something very different going on. But even like what Nick was talking about, like games like Starcraft and Warcraft, they're how com you have to compete. These people are brilliant statisticians. Mm -hmm. Like they yeah. is that the word right? Yeah. And yeah. they're they're they know war. Yeah, and, and they're just these little Korean people. Mm -hmm that get paid billions of dollars. Millions yeah, and even dollars. before that, there were these games, like I mentioned to you guys before, like these historical games where you really had to figure out what was going on, like whether it was set in the American Revolution, this company called Koei made these games, or SimCity, SimEarth, SimWorld, SimAnt, all these games. Oh, SimAnt. Oh yeah, gosh, where like you're, the, point, the, the point of it is to interact with the world in, a, in an intelligent way. Oregon Trail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to plan things, to make decisions, that's like a different a different kind of part of your brain than let's kill these other people real quick. I mean, it's connected. Yeah. Well, and, and even more than just like, so you have like the sports games, which don't have to actually be about sports. Um, and then you have the like intellectually challenging games, like we just talked about, but I'm also talking about games that are focused on what seems like above all else narrative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Everything in the game, I think Mass Effect, yeah, um, recently for me, not, re not not that it was recent, but in college, they all of them kind of came out over the course of like I think four and a half years or something. I mean, but we're bearing was... we're bearing the lead here. The real thing we should be talking about is Bioshock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, period. Well, like, this is this yeah. is the, this is the peak of narrative games, right? For you, mm -hmm. yes, it is. Um, I think the first Bioshock. And the third Bioshock. Wait, not are, the second? Uh -huh. Not. I mean, I I actually didn't dislike the second as much as everyone else did. Nick, I remember um, you yeah. replaying through Bioshock Infinite, and I just watched you play it like I used to watch when I was a little kid. When I would watch my brother play video games, I just watched it like mm. it was a movie. It's that yeah. interesting. Yes, yeah. as, as a script. Well, it's just the idea. It's these games take ideas and they and they and they make them reality. So in Bioshock Infinite, it's like this is a city that's in the sky. So there's that. Like that's just the setting. You know? Mm -hmm. But then more on the setting, it's like and it's kind of like steampunky turn of the century Chicago World's Fair technology. Yeah. Doing all of this. 
and then also hyper nationalist American exceptionalism yeah. is like behind everything. Which the idea of going from like the motivation of characters being I'm a plumber, this person's blonde, there's a monkey throwing barrels at me, mm-hmm. to I'm I'm a clone who's being forced into this weird alternative world where infinite loops of quantum mechanics keep repeating Mm -hmm. and I, and I need to like figure out how to settle them Mm -hmm. down and like do all this other weird shit. Confronting themes of nationalism and religion and time. The plot becomes so complicated, becomes so long, becomes so developed that if they were going to make a movie of Bioshock, infinite they literally couldn't do it it's too it's it's the way you learn about it is so piecemeal Mm -hmm. it's so like Mm -hmm. the first part you're this the second part you're that and you and through like weird like picking up notes off the ground you have to do like a three season television series to try to approximate yeah these games don't have any exposition there isn't like hey i'm gonna sit down and hear all the characters it's Mm -hmm. like no you literally Mm -hmm. wake up because you've just been baptized you don't get the Mm -hmm. star wars scroll yeah no nothing Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I think Bioshock is the coming together of two very important things that have happened in video games. One is the narrative, um, the narrative move, and the other is the uh, choice theory slash ethics move, Mm -hmm. um, where you're making, you're having to decide how evil your character is going to be. Yeah. And that's obviously, that's bled over into other video games. You, you, You almost, if there was a bar in the corner, instead of a life bar, there would be mm-hmm. this like moral, like a morality bar, or like a how bad. Yeah. Well, that's bad that's why I I brought up Mass Effect because there's literally a gauge in that game of between Paragon and Renegade, mm-hmm. and your decisions affect mm-hmm. how full is. I mean, let me give you a decision I had to make drunk one night playing <laughs> Mass Effect. Okay, so there's a race. This can be really nerdy, forgive me. But I, Ryan, as an ethicist, I really want you to hear the question posed to you casually I'm in. in this game. I'm in. So there's a race of aliens. Mass Effect's a giant sci-fi epic game. There's a race of aliens who are really, really, really strong, but aren't really developed socially. And there was a huge, big problem in the galaxy, kind of like Borg-esque type, you know, they're killing everyone type thing. Mm -hmm. And so the central government said, you know, we normally don't do this, but we're going to give this race of people who are of aliens who are stronger and better warriors and the best soldiers technology beyond their capabilities. So we're going to like basically hyper advance their society so they can fight for us. Mm -hmm. Then what happens was, is they, shocker after the war become really violent and awful yeah and so the central government releases basically about the united states arming the mujahideen in afghanistan to bring down the soviet union basically if we did the second part which is okay now this is a problem so they release a virus into the water supply that makes only one out of ten males in the species uh capable of producing offspring wow and that kind of cuts their population down drastically, and then things are peaceful again. And one of your crew members is the scientist who developed the genophage, the the virus that did mm-hmm. that. And he asks you, after a long, all this stuff, like, you know, do should I could reverse it right now, what do you want to do? And you're basically left with, like... Well, this solved a lot of problems. You're not actually killing anyone. You're just you're not like killing their babies. You're just yeah. like not letting them have it. Yeah. And they and they were really violent and they're kind of like rapisty and it's awful mm-hmm. and their culture's the worst. But like you're also like clandestinely making people infertile. So like mm-hmm. this reminds me of the um the sex spot episode of Rick and Morty where they go to the the feminist run planet. Yeah. It's so it's good. a it's a weird situation like that, but like I just remember thinking, is this supposed to be enjoyable? Like I was like I was yeah. sitting there, I was like, I'm like philosophically disturbed by this because I kind of like I don't know what I think, you know. And you get so wrapped up into it that I was like, 
I'm playing an ethical game now. Like, yeah. I'm not even playing, like, well, which one's going to give me the most armor? You know, yeah. like, and that's the decision I'm going to make. Like, it was like, yeah. this has nothing to, this just affects how people from that race will view you until the end of the game. Yeah. And it's like, it's crazy. It's really crazy. And I'm sorry I got really specific, but, like, no, that level great. of ethical detail, that's, like, taking an ethics course in college, like, the weird analogies, thing, like, the trolley problem. Yeah. It's basically, like, a trolley problem for babies or whatever. Yeah. And I think this brings us to something where, like, that that illustrates sort of the next concern that I have about video, video games or the next kind of facet of this topic. Uh, and we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but we're going to try to keep this podcast to about an hour. So... Are these, I mean, it's a massive, massive area of culture, but are these good or bad? I mean, I know the answer is both, but in what ways are video games good and bad for society or as a reflection of society? I mean, obviously, if you're playing video games that really allow you to think and develop your intellect and develop your compassion for people and see things from other people's shoes, like, that seems like a good thing. But also... You've always had that group of people going like, this is why there's more school shootings and this is why mm -hmm. like kids are more violent and people are isolated and you know, this, this causes psychotic breaks in people. And so you have these kind of two poles of like video games are evil. And on the other hand, video games are great. And look how great we are as a society, society that we have these things and that people are developing these capacities. Um, what are, what are you, what are your guys first thoughts on, on the pluses and minuses or pros and cons of, of video games in our society. I think that, um, I don't look at very, the, the things that I look, the aspects of video game that I, video games that I think are kind of, I mean, that are negative are definitely the iOS games. I don't like, I, you mentioned Candy Crush. I think, um, I mean, it's fine to play, but it's just, it's a money hole. They're trying to sell you hats. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, it's just a ploy, but I think, I think a good example for me is I look at, and this is a game that I studied a lot was Grand Theft Auto. And I think kind of like what Ryan was saying it. And what, when a kid plays Grand Theft Auto, they're like, Oh, this is so great. I can go around shooting and killing people and running them over with my car. And I get like this huge sandbox. That's really fun and crazy. And I get to be this sadistic, you know, mass murderer. But when you play the narrative of the game, and the choices that they make you do and the people that you, the characters that you're playing, I mean, like you're, you're getting exposed to some really deep and unfortunate aspects of our culture. So mm -hmm. like Grand Theft Auto 4 focused on the American dream and kind of explored that it's achievable, but it's achievable typically through means of objectifying and hurting and harming other people to in order for you to gain yeah. and to mm -hmm. achieve this. And so I think that's really, I mean, but like when a kid plays that, they're not able to process it, but it's rated M for a reason because an 18 year old might be able to start like putting the pieces together. So I think I've, been, I've thought about this a lot. I think it comes back down to is, is how's the game framed and mm -hmm. who is the subject that's engaging in it? Because you could look at a game also like Last of Us, which yeah. is a remarkable game. And it doesn't, it, you have to make choices, but you, you can only really make one choice. But the choice is really, really, really dark and it's really selfish. And it jeopardizes the entire population of the entire planet because this guy's selfish because he lost his daughter and he doesn't want to lose this mm -hmm. new daughter of his. Yeah. And it's like people do that all the time. And I think getting ex people be having the ability to be exposed to that through their own agency is really profound. But on the other end, then there's games like call of duty, which I think is really fun and it's competitive, but people on there are garbage. Yeah. They're just, they're just the worst. Yeah. They're the, the worst humans on the planet play League of Legends. Yeah. It's all it's just... awful. <laughs> it's just awful. It's a cesspool. But do, yeah. I'm not trying to compare or see like who's who's uh shitty people are shittier. But yeah. like do you get like the hardcore bros on Nick, I think you can speak to this. Could you just give me like a few types of people that you run into on League of Legends? <laughs> just come across. Okay. Not not to be really judgmental, but um, 
This is what makes League of Legends people so awful, and it's the question you're asking, Mike. And by the way, it's why I stopped playing. I stopped playing because yeah. of the people, because I hated myself, because I yeah. hated, I literally hated the people I was interacting with on League of Legends. Um, so you, there, it's a good question. Like, are there are there like game bros on League of Legends? And if you look at it on paper, it's like Call of Duty, guns. I'm a marine. Yeah. Blur, blurder, bro, 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 bro. League of Legends, I'm a female sorceress who worships the sun. Like, doesn't really seem like bro material, oh right? There are lots of but, lots of busty gals characters. But, in but, 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 there's tons of them on there. And I think that's what makes it even worse. It's like, they're taking something so seriously where it's like, your ability shoots like a giant bubble out of your hand. That, like, <laughs> I'm a dwarf! Yeah, like you're you're a rat with a blow dart, and you're mm-hmm. telling me that I hope I have cancer. Like I, it, there's like a yeah. lot of cognitive dissonance yeah. in it. I mean, there are people. Yeah. You're a like, mermaid that's telling telling <laughs> telling me that I'm a woman that has human papilloma virus, and I'm gonna get cervical cancer because yeah. I don't have the courage to play the game the way you think I should. Yeah, and I think what makes League of Legends so toxic. And even Call of Duty, and more, more so CS:GO and League of Legends, uh, which is Counter Strike, uh, is that they are games unlike World of Warcraft, unlike other games where you can slowly through time create your character and like kind of just by grinding make a game. These are games where everyone starts at level one every single time you play. Yeah. And the only people who do good in the game's eyes and progress are the better players. Mm-hmm. So everyone's operating on this, like... But there's also... I'm... It's teamwork so important, which mm-hmm. makes it so wonderful than when you're playing with a group of people like when I was playing with Nick and Mike and other people. But yeah. it's... Mike, have you ever been in a college class where you have to do a group project? Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm in grad school, yeah, and I've done two this quarter. So, so have you ever been in a group project where certain members of the group are terrible at working in groups? Mm-hmm. Either they don't do their job or they want to dominate the process. Well, mm-hmm. that's League of Legends a thousand times over. <laughs> you run into people, but imagine, yeah, you imagine run into people doing who group... are just oh, megalomaniacs. Yeah, so, yes. sorry, go go next. Yeah. Imagine doing a group project, but it's also on a resource scarcity economy yeah so in league the only people who progress are people who actually get the kill you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so not only are you trying to keep some semblance of like we're working as a team which people are kind of bad at Mm -hmm. but there's also every other person on the team only one person can benefit really from these things so there's like this huge and the number one thing that happens on league of legends that infuriates me and made me stop playing the game is stupid people who suck at the game, blaming all of their problems on their teammates. Mm-hmm. Of Which never it, happens in real life. Ever. It's just awful. It is the biggest reflection of our society's kind of trip down the the sinkhole of locating all of your problems outside of yourself and all of your virtues inside of yourself. This, this like, I'm the best, everyone else, all my problems come from outside. It's called an, an external locus of control yeah. uh, in terms of negative things. It's the victim culture. And it's a bunch of people who are rich enough to sit around spending all their time playing video games, having the internet, complaining about it, not having a job, obviously, complaining about Mm -hmm. how hard their life is and how all their problems are someone else's fault. And that's what started to make me hate them. Well, and I think that's what I was going to say to go back to what you were originally saying with what what do I think about video games? Are they good? Are they bad? I think they're good when they offer an experience that other art forms simply cannot. You get to literally live as a character. You That is one of the deepest levels of empathy I think is possible for yeah. another human being. Um, I'm not saying it's the only art form that can create empathy, but I think that that is, for me, video games at its highest, is living someone else's life situation and having to learn how hard their choices are, how sad, how tragic, how joyful that can be. At worst, I think video games are a substitute for accomplishments. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. And I th- I think League of Legends in particular, because the only way, the only progression in that game is are you bronze, are you gold, are you silver, are you platinum, are you diamond? Like, and that's all you. 
mm-hmm. you know. So, and they feel like accomplishments. You know, yep. they feel like, wow, I've worked really hard at something, mm-hmm. and now I have this to show for it. Mm-hmm. But in reality, when the League of Legends servers go off in ten years or sooner, no one will literally no one will care. Like yeah. there will not be a single per- like every hour in World of Warcraft that people have spent amassing fortunes, learning how to play the economy, mm-hmm. hours and hours of hours of picking flowers out of a elf's asshole to make a mm. wreath for a dragon, like. All of that, when the game goes down, it's over. And I think that is one of, I think you get sucked into a Mm -hmm. game that says, hey, you'll be rewarded, which Mm -hmm. feels like real life. Yeah, that's the trap. Yeah. The trap for me has been, do I work on my PhD and my dissertation, or do I work on this game? The game gives me instantaneous gratification, makes me feel like I'm accomplishing something. But the reason I've had to go cold turkey off video games at certain periods during my education is because that's so tempting. It's so mm-hmm. much harder to write a dissertation than it is to play a video game. It's less fun. It's slower. You don't get an immediate payoff. And the thing is, at the end of the day, if you want to accomplish something in the real world, video games can sometimes be a very real detriment to that. And that's mm-hmm. just a trap that I I haven't always been able to avoid. Uh, I want to have a fun life. I want to have a life where I'm doing cool things. I want to experience the art that video games offer me. But there have been times where I've kind of gotten s- you know, suck down the sinkhole and it's really hurt my real life. Yep. Mm-hmm. I had to, this is kind of sad, but, uh, honest, uh, confession for live right now. Um, but I, I had a, I actually, I love video games so much, but I had to buy a new game. So I was, I, so I could stop playing destiny Well, wow. because it was sucking because it's, it's all accomplishment driven. Yeah. So even though the game is actually fun, it doesn't matter because I want to get that that gun. I mm-hmm. want to get that exotic. Mm-hmm. I want to let. I want to level up so I can play this one thing, so I can get this other thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which kind of actually takes the fun out of it. So I had I had some money, and so I got Call of Duty because yeah. I can go on. I can play two matches, which is twenty minutes, yeah. and that's all. I'm only going to mm-hmm. come on and play capture the flag, and then mm-hmm. I'm done. Mm-hmm. But it is the accomplishment. You just mm-hmm. you crave it. It's to. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, that was going like yeah. World of Warcraft to League of Legends to just Skyrim. Was that for mm-hmm. me? It was me sort of making it smaller because Skyrim is beatable. It can end, right? You can yeah, go off and do a bunch of side stuff, but it, it can. can it can end, and it yeah. did for me. It ended, and I and I gave the video game back to whoever I had borrowed it from. Um, me. Well, was it your copy or was it someone else's copy? It was my because it, it, it was your it was your um, PlayStation, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so. That ended for me. Like, World of Warcraft was so time-intensive, and it never ended. There was always something else to do. And then League of Legends was a little less time-intensive. I could I could control it better. It was a little bit more like, oh, I can jump on. I can play a few rounds with Nick and, and friends and everything. It doesn't really matter what my level is so much. It matters how I can play right now. Um, and then even more so, like, there is a pressure in some of these video games to devote your life to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that is dangerous. Well, especially think, yeah. oh, sorry, no, especially no, 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 in, no, no. in league, where there are professional league players. Yeah, you know, like there are people who play for these gaming companies who have three, you know, have six figure salaries that play League of Legends as an esport. You know, so <laughs> in that game, there's a huge pressure of like, and even in a game that's as big of as league only a hundred people can be challenger rank at a time yeah so it's like law school it doesn't matter how well you do it matters how well you do vis-a-vis the other people in your law exactly exactly so there's a giant pressure to be like you know i've like was reading advice of like how to climb the rank ladder it's like you you know you need to be playing at least four to seven matches a day which matches averaging 30 40 minutes that's like four hours of league mm-hmm. a day. It's a part-time like, job. Yeah. It's, that's ridiculous, you know, in a lot of ways. Well, it's like the same thing in Call of Duty. The, I, there was this kid at my high school that was semi-pro at Call of Duty, mm-hmm. but he had a, he had to put a certain number of hours in every day because he needed to keep his KDR, kill-to-death ratio, at a certain level because other people are constantly playing and you're going to lose your spot if you mm-hmm. don't. You're going to lose your sponsorship if you don't hold your position in the top 
Yeah. yeah, so so given all the positives and negatives, we didn't cover all of them, just like we didn't cover all the video games, because this is a massive universe, and I'm sure we'll revisit video games um, again in, in another episode of The Mean. But before we go, what are some takeaways? Like, what do we do with this? Um, what can we do with this? Play video games. So first of all, play video games. Yeah. We're not anti-video game. Um, what can you do with this? Go into it knowing what you're getting into, basically. So for me, video games have been the most unhealthy in under two uh, emotional states that I've been in. One is I'm like, oh, whatever, it's a video game, so fun. And then it's like, why am I playing Diablo 3 for 14 hours a day for yeah. two weeks? That's really dangerous. But the other thing that's been really dangerous for me is being like, ooh, I feel guilty doing this. Uh-oh. And then, like, sneaking video games into my life because I because I feel like, ooh, this makes me eat really nerdy or really immature. Or, like, a lot of people I know are just like, well, it's it's they're, they're literally waste of time. Like, you will never get anything out of this. Mm -hmm. And I think both extremes are bad. I think if you think video games can never be a waste of time, you're going to be a really awful person probably. Mm -hmm. And I also think if you think that simply enjoying something for the sake of itself is a waste of time, then you probably have some issues that you need to work through. Yeah, you know? For me, it's about honesty. It's about mm -hmm. being honest with yourself about the potential pitfalls, the potential benefits, and in particular, being really honest about Am I doing this? Am I prioritizing this before other things that I know long term? When I look back, I'll have wanted to prioritize those other things. So in other words, am I prioritizing this over school, over my relationships, over my marriage, over being physically fit? Those things. And and when, when video games are least healthy, I think is when, because they're supposed to be entertaining. They're supposed to be something mm -hmm. that's that's light. Well, just like dessert is supposed to be really fun. The other day I had in Pasadena, there's a place, this is so disgusting and it's amazing. They take a hot donut and they fill it with ice cream and a topping. And it's like an ice cream Wait, sandwich with a hot donut. donut. It's called uh, like milk bun or something like that. Is it on Colorado? It's on green. It's that old gas station -y place that used to be like a hot dog stand. Um, oh, shit. That's right. I'm going. Okay, I'm going there because that's where my comic book store. Yeah, is. so it's incredible. It's an amazing thing, but you can't eat it for every meal because it's Holy just shit. it's it's just pure dessert, amazing, melty, ice creamy, incredible goodness. It's amazing, but you can't. I can't prioritize that nutritionally. Yeah, and I, that's how I view video games. Like there is something there. It is an incredible thing. It is. It is kind of my. It can't. I know it doesn't always have to be junk food. It can be deep. It can be you know nutritious. You know intellectually. You know Bioshock and things like that. But I've got to put my relationships and my and going to the gym and writing my dissertation first and then if i have extra time i can do things like watch netflix or play video games and, and jessica and i have really talked about this my wife um uh, works in the music industry and writes music for television and, and films and also has done a few little video game projects and we've talked about getting a console to kind of play the summer as her company goes into the low season so, so that we could, mm -hmm. we, it's, cause she really wants to kind of understand video games more. Cause she was never like a gamer gamer cause she wants to be able to understand it so that she can write music for it. And it's something that we're considering and what it would take the place of is some of our lazy Netflix watching and kind of keeping up with stupid TV. And that's fine. So for me, it's just about being honest about what is this replacing? Like what is the opportunity cost of participating in this? I think, yeah, you guys covered, mine, mine's going to sound kind of lame, but you kind of covered what I would be thinking about. But um, I think video games are beautiful and they're amazing forms of art. But just like just like with every form of art, there's a there's a negative that comes with it mm -hmm. inside of it. So I, I think when you're going to engage in video games, I think you should be conscious also of the content that you're putting your congesting because it congesting ingesting not, ingesting um i go to school um <laughs> and uh i think because there, there's some there's like i said there's great games out there but there's also some that are just terrible and it's just filth um and it doesn't serve any purpose mm -hmm. besides just voyeurism yeah. of violence and sex yeah like if, if you would be embarrassed to have your mom or your significant other watch you play a video game or if it was a movie 
if it if like made into a movie, it would be porn. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's probably a, not a good use of your time. Yeah, if you're gonna play Grand Theft Auto, maybe not pick up hookers. Yeah. Like, even though that that's there, yeah. maybe don't do that. Because what mm-hmm. purpose does that serve? Um, so that's con- that's conservative, Mike. That's the most conservative you'll ever hear, Mike. Um, mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, thank you for the conversation, Nicholas. Uh, we're gonna have another episode of the Bean next week episode 22 and i just to be honest with everybody here i have no idea what we're gonna do i've not planned the next uh, week so uh, mike what do you think youtube videos youtube videos we kind of did a little bit of that with conspiracy theories we talked about conspiracy theory black holes on youtube so mm. i mean that is something we, we could do more we could do more about youtube nick do you have any ideas anything that's been floating around your head oh man um Wait, there's something in the news that was really dramatic. And is it someone dying? No. Was it's it a person George, with weird hair? Was it the <laughs> <laughs> Was it uh, George Martin the Fifth Beetle dying today? Uh-huh. No, I don't care about that. Um, what is what am I looking? Paul McCartney has a sad about that. Well, you mean it's not really Paul McCartney. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, we the whoever we uh, think is Paul McCartney. Yeah. As a sad about George Martin. Oh, I know what it was. What was it? Let's talk about reality television. <sighs> Oof. Oh, man, I've been watching so The People vs. O.J. Simpson. It's so good. And yeah. it's basically about the advent. It's like the O.J. Simpson trial as the advent of reality television in our society. That's kind of the frame that Ryan Murphy's using. and I, So I'll bring that up when we talk about it. All right. Oh, so we've, we've, we've arrived. We're doing reality TV man, next week. Uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to talk about the O.J. Simpson trial. And we're, we're going to try not to talk too much about the Kardashians because, let's be honest, that's a waste. But yeah, I haven't um, even seen it. So I'm like, well, yeah. garbage people. But uh, until that time, this has been Ryan. And Nick. And Mike McCann. And at least two of us, you will hear from next week. Bye. Bye. Cool.